0: Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, 20 years ago, you'd be hard-pressed to find a bar with local craft beers on tap, let alone a brew pub with a fire pit or board games or dogs and babies at the table. But today, it's not just normal, it's expected. With warmer weather around the corner, fingers crossed, CityCast contributor Hal B. Klein is here with senior producer Megan Harris and I to talk about why. Thursday, February 24th. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh.
1: How oh, you've been talking a lot about this brewery boom lately. Um, how many breweries do we have in Pittsburgh or Allegheny County?
2: So I think right now we're at 45. We might be at 46 because Coven Brewery might have just actually gotten its licensing. So we might have one more.
1: That's a good thing, right?
2: I think so. Yeah. You know, I, I one of the brewers I spoke with with the story, Lauren Hughes, who's the head brewer at Necromancer Brewery, I asked her, I was like, you know, do you feel like we're getting overloaded? And she's like, no, you know, if we want to be a brewery destination, if we want to be a place where people see Pittsburgh as a place to go. For to enjoy breweries, both for people that live here and for people that might want to spend a weekend here from, you know, surrounding cities, the more the better, the more the merrier.
0: But it hasn't always been like that. So could you kind of like take us back to what it was like when Pittsburgh was not as rich in breweries as we are now?
2: Yeah, it's a wild history. Um, when I started looking into this, it, it just kind of astounded me because it's so commonplace right now, not just that we're going to breweries, the breweries themselves, but when you go to a bar, when you go to a restaurant, you really expect to see a lot of local beer on tap. And I think that's what people want. But even just you know, 10 years ago, that wasn't the case. And 20 years ago, that absolutely wasn't the case. So you look back and so... We have um, Pittsburgh Brewing Company, the brewers of Iron City and Icy Light and Icy Light Mango, <laughs> that are still popular um, and still, you know, there's still there there is a place there's absolutely a place for for a macro brewed beer, hot summer day, baseball, whatever.
1: You are being so kind. Yeah.
2: No, I mean, there's something you know, there's something for it. I think sometimes, or you know, I know when I'm like at Chengdu Gourmet and I'm eating spicy Sichuan food, I want a lager like that. I think it's a great, that's the best combination. You're, that, that is the, the prime combination. Either a white wine that you think is maybe a little too sweet or a macro brewed lager. That's what you want at a restaurant like that.
1: Pairings by Hal Klein. I love this. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not
2: just about brewers. I'm here to, to for, for the recommendations of what to drink.
1: Um, but uh, prohibition happened and mucked everything up, but we were still like exclusively a shot in a beer town through what, like at least our parents' generation. I mean, we still kind of are, but the beers are better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Just> kidding. <laughs> uh, Hal, what rules or laws changed that switch things up for us?
2: So in the late 80s, Congress passed, no, late 70s, Congress passes a law that basically says if you're a small brewery, you're not going to be charged the same rate as an industrial brewer, because that's what really kept things um, from taking off, because it just wasn't financially responsible. In the late 80s here, you get Penn Brewery, and that's the first brew pub, I think, in the state of Pennsylvania. And so for the next you know, 20 years or so, you have a, a couple of those things open. So Church Brew Works is another one that's still around. But these are places that are breweries that are attached to restaurants. So they're technically restaurants that have a brewery license, And then in 2004, Scott Smith, who runs East End Brewing in Larimer, decides he wants to, you know, he was a home brewer, he was an engineer, he was sick of his job, classic story through the decades. And he decides he wants to sell craft brewed beer for retail sale. And he had to really work with the state to, you know, the the Allegheny County Health Board wasn't sure how to license it at first. And so step by step, he gets this licensing. He goes door-to-door Kelly's puts him on tap. They're the first bar to put him on tap uh, with a beer called Big Hop, which is still on tap there. And that's the first time people start brewing beer. And then slowly you start seeing voodoo in Meadville like a year later, but it's really in the mid 2010s that you start seeing breweries start to pop up around Pittsburgh. And then a couple years later, Because the laws were sort of muddy, like you could sample beer and maybe sell a sample for a buck, but that wasn't really legal. And it was more just to get growlers out the door. So that was the big development back then.
1: I remember in farmer's markets in particular, like you could really get like a sample of anything and it was sort of sketchy as to like what they were checking and what they weren't for.
0: <laughs> Bat- <Yeah>. Bathtub beer, <laughs> bathtub brewed beer. <laughs> yeah, and the idea was the
2: idea was more, you know, have a sample of this beer and then you're going to buy a growler. It wasn't really about like hanging out and drinking beers in a certain space. It was about getting growler. And even back then, you had to have, if you wanted an East End beer, you had to have a growler from East End. If you wanted a Hop Farm beer, you had to have a growler from Hop Farm. And growlers, for people that don't know, are basically 64-ounce containers that they would fill up, seal, you'd take it home.
1: So you have to be really committed to that particular style of beer.
2: Yeah, you have to be committed to the style of beer. You have to be committed to going to that brewery. So then we start getting laws that are basically like brew pub licenses so you can open a brewery, but you have to have 30 seats and what they said was like legitimate food, um, which was a really sort of hazy description of what that was. But generally, you know, it would mean something that would be that you would think of as a meal. So a couple of years later, they clarified that law in what's colloquially known as the bag of chips law, <laughs> which says you have to have 10 seats and a snack food such as a bag of chips. And that really opens up the door for people to start having spaces that they don't have to have. Um, You know, full entertainment, full things, full kitchens, everything like that.
0: The way you're saying it's like you can get beer pretty much everywhere or at least like that's the expectation. But who are we getting it all from? I feel like it's typically like a bunch of white guys with beards, like the hipster guy that has has quit his job and, and now has like embarked on On brewing.
1: Yeah, and the flannel. You can't forget the flannel. And the flannel.
0: (laughs) Yeah,
2: that's the stereotype, right? And, you know, I think that is a lot of the foundation for sure of Pittsburgh craft beer. A lot of it came out of homebrew clubs, which were a space that were largely dominated by white dudes, often in flannel, often bearded. Um, And that's still, you know, I think that's still largely the case. But I think what we're seeing over the last few years is a real effort in Pittsburgh to diversify that space and diversify more. I think who the spaces are for at this point than who's actually brewing the beer, but you're starting to see it on that end as well. So you're starting to see people like the Pittsburgh brewing diversity council that are people that are not maybe typically people that would make up that space, asking those questions and saying, how can we expand this? How can we expand opportunities? Trace Brewing in Bloomfield has a vocational training program um, that is really incredible. You know, when they open, they committed, they realized, you know, like, hey, like, let's open this space up a little bit more. And the key to do that is to actually mentor some people. And so now we're starting to see the seeds of that planted and we're starting to see you know I mentioned Coven at the top of this and
1: Katie Sullivan I think is who you're talking about at Coven right
2: That's right she's only the second woman to be a head brewer in Pittsburgh but I think it's going to show that that's starting to happen you're starting to see assistant brewers at places general managers um in places that are running breweries and so you know hopefully that's a thing that's going to really start to to change over the years. Right. Um, And then, you know, when you talk about Dave Bracey and Barrel and Flow Fest, you know, the fact that the country's first Black Brew Festival was founded in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Really says something. And it really says something about the attendance of that festival, the fact that people are hyped about it, the fact that it's going on. And, you know, when I talked to Dave for the story, he also really talked about the fact that a lot of the things that you don't think about in beer, such as who is who is creating the labels for the cans of beer.
0: Right, the artists.
2: Yeah. Like, those spaces are starting to be opened up as well. And I think that's pretty exciting. But there is also a long way to go, you know?
0: I've been to a couple of... It used to be, what, beer fest, and then it changed into, yeah. Fresh fest. Fresh fest. Yeah. Fresh fest. Fresh fest. Yeah. Yeah, and then it changed into barrel and flow. It's very cool.
1: Um So how would you say the pandemic has affected all of this? You know, are people still flock into breweries? It sounds like they're certainly opening, uh, but are enough people going to them?
2: I think so. I mean, I think you're seeing, as with a lot of spaces, the ebb and flow of it. So breweries did have the advantage, a lot of them, of having these outdoor spaces. I remember... Um, last winter at this time being really into Spring Hill Brewery because they had these amazing fire pits set up and they basically just would give you piles of wood and you could just sit out with your friends and just make these fires. And it was really cool. And it was such a cool space too. And you know you're overlooking the city and everything like that. And so I think you're seeing that. I think you're seeing, I mean, you saw Dancing Gnome open a huge new space in Sharpsburg right in the middle of this pandemic. You're seeing breweries open still. And then I think one of the things that's exciting, circling back to the artists and the labels, is with the canning, it used to be a lot harder to get cans of beers um, and get a canning line at your brewery. And so now breweries can either have canning lines there, get mobile canning lines to come to them, which means that they're able to sell what is, you know, kind of a, a real industrial product in some sense in other places. And so, and then, you know, taps at bars and everything like
0: that. Let's end on something for the people. How? what beer or brewery are you loving right now? You know all the good places.
2: Oh, man. I mean, that was what was really fun for this story was, you know, getting to try all this beer. I mean, I love Trace. I think it's. I think everything about what they're doing is great, and their beer is really wonderful. Um, Strange Roots, which is a brewery that's been around for a very long time, I think they started in 2011. Um, they were called Dry Log back then. They make really interesting, wild fermented beers. I like Old Thunder Brewing um, in Blahnocks. They are, and what's exciting about them too, is they represent a second generation of breweries. So they started all of them at the Brew Gentlemen in Braddock, who also make fantastic beer.
0: And if drinking's not your thing, there's more to do than just drink.
2: But there's so much going on at these spaces too. There's uh, so much entertainment in various forms. And, you know, sure, if you're into crushing beer, you can go and crush a beer, but there are also these social spaces that offer a lot more. You know, and I think that's what distinguishes breweries from, it's what distinguishes your corner brewery from your corner bar, I think, is your corner brewery is more of a space that's going to be a space for everyone to come and hang out Whereas your corner the bar might be a space that you might want to stay until 2 a.m. And breweries tend to not be open that late.
1: Yeah. Well, they're really family friendly, too. Like a lot of them have like high chairs and, you know, they're ready for your dogs. They have water bowls out and treats at the bar and they're kind of stocked for that sort of thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They're great like that. It's different. And I think that also helps contribute to to why we're seeing these spaces, you know, why we're seeing a much broader array of people in these spaces is because they're spaces that are designed to be welcoming to everyone. Thanks, Hal. Thanks for
0: chatting. So Megan, what else is happening in Pittsburgh today?
1: So the accused Tree of Life shooter Robert Bowers may be tried in Pittsburgh after all. Bowers was arrested on site that day in 2018, holding a Colt AR-15. I can't believe it's been four years in October
0: since that shooting.
1: Yeah, it's wild that it's taken this long, but also like not that uncommon for capital cases. Federal prosecutors say he's the one who shot and killed 11 worshippers that day. His defense team has been arguing that press reports then and since have created, quote, a presumption of guilt in the area. So they don't want him tried here. But no matter where he ultimately faces trial, he's looking at the death penalty. His lawyers have said they want a plea deal to spare him that. And our voting maps are still being decided. Um, That's for the U.S. House and the state House and Senate. But some incremental news here. The state Supreme Court has decided that our U.S. House map, um, remember, we can't use our old ones anymore for several reasons, but the biggest is because we now only have 17 House seats since our state population fell, 17 representatives instead of 18. And as for the state House and Senate maps, we have quote unquote final maps in place, but anyone in the commonwealth can challenge them through early march so i would not exactly call them final just yet it's such a mess if you want
0: to understand more about the whole map making process check out our episode from january 25th with spotlight pa reporter kate huang po and of course check back here we'll keep you updated you know if we ever get those final final maps in place final 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 just just like final final okay (laughs) That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you're liking the show, let us know. We love ratings and reviews, but only if they're good. And you can find us on social at CityCastPGH. Make sure you're getting our morning newsletter. Just like the show, it's fresh every day at 6 a.m. And we'll be back tomorrow. That's Friday morning with more news from around the city. Talk to you then. Okay, all right, you know, flubbing with a smile.